WSFI and pastor of Our Lady of Mount Carmel and St. Therese in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Well, good afternoon, everyone. On this Wednesday, October 12th, 2022, I'm glad you're joining in with me at this time for the Marian Hour. And I invite you at this time to join with me in prayer, in my favorite Marian prayer. If you've been a listener, you know that prayer. It's the Memorare. So please join me, and we'll begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, today uh, we celebrate uh, a little-known Marian feast that's actually not celebrated on our calendar here in the United States, but it is a grand celebration across the ocean in Spain, Catholic Spain. And the name of the feast is Our Lady of the Pillar. Now, many have not heard of this. It's not too well known in, in this country or in many parts of the world, I would think. It's a beautiful story. Um, I'll say it in Spanish. Nuestra Señora del Pilar. Okay. Our Lady of the Pillar. And I'll give the story of this beautiful feast, which resulted from a Marian apparition, the first Marian apparition in the history of Christianity. Okay? And it's the only one that happened while the Virgin Mary was still alive. What does that mean? That means... Um, the good theologians who have studied this question think that Our Lady was bilocating, okay? Like Padre Pio could bilocate other saints um, when they learned people were in need for some good reason. He would go into deep prayer, Padre Pio, for example, and appear somewhere else in order to give advice or heal someone or whatever. Well, if God granted that grace of bilocation to Padre Pio, how much more would he have given that grace to Our Lady when she was informed of the needs of, for example, the apostles? And and one of the apostles is, is involved here, okay, James the Greater. And here's the story of Our Lady of the Pillar. Okay, according to tradition, this is about 36 to 40 AD. James the Greater, 
He was the brother of St. John the Evangelist. He traveled um, with, it wasn't easy to travel back in that day, okay, but uh, with, with great effort to Roman Hispania, okay, part of the Roman Empire. Today, it's called Spain. And why did he do this? Well, why do you think he would do this? Why would he travel to Spain from Jerusalem? I'll put that question out to um, our listeners here, even in the studio audience. Uh, this Mali or or Angela, would would you know why the that the uh, Saint John would, uh, pardon me, Saint James the Greater would go to Spain? Um, was it because it was um, mostly um, like pagan? Precisely. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> the, the whole world was pagan at that time. Okay. And so <clears throat> Jesus, his great commission to his apostles, the day he ascended into heaven, uh, he told them, go out and preach to all nations, teaching them everything I have taught you, and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So the apostles went in many directions. You know, St. Thomas, you know, there's a tradition, strong tradition. He went east to India. Okay. <clears throat> Others, other apostles went elsewhere. Well, well James <clears throat> the Greater, the brother of St. John, the evangelist, okay, um, he goes to Spain to evangelize. However, as often happens with, uh, you know, missionaries and even with the apostles, uh, things were not easy, okay? People weren't ready to converse, and he encountered many difficulties, and he saw how little apostolic fruits of conversion were resulting from his efforts, okay? And actually, he got discouraged. And at the lowest points, you could say, of his discouragement, disappointment over the lack of the response that he was hoping, you know, amongst the peoples in Hispania, okay? January 2nd, 40 AD. He's sitting at the banks of a river, the Ebro River. It is in the eastern part of Spain. It's a couple hours south of Lourdes, modern-day Lourdes. And it is at the town, what is the town today called Zaragoza, okay? Back then, the town was known as Caesarea Augusta, okay? Caesar Augustus, in other words. That was the name of the town. Since then, it's been renamed. Zaragoza is the name of the town today. And on the Ebro River, at the spot where modern-day Zaragoza is, the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared to him, accompanied, as the story goes, by thousands of angels, okay, to console and encourage St. James. Some of the mystics tell us, for example, um, Mary of Agreda, the mystical city of God, she tells us that Mary was uh, not inactive 
after Jesus ascended into heaven and the apostles began their preaching, okay, Mary uh, was in deep, deep prayer uh, almost all the time. And she was able, by, by the grace of God, infused knowledge, okay, given knowledge by God, to see the apostolic efforts of the apostles and how they were doing, okay? So Mary was informed of this. Mary is our mother in the order of grace. She is our spiritual mother, given to us by Jesus Christ on Calvary, as John was standing next to Mary at the foot of the cross, Jesus speaks to his mother, woman, behold your son, and to the evangelist, behold your mother. So, um, Mary was given knowledge of the apostles' efforts, and no doubt she was given a knowledge of the discouragement of St. James, the greater brother of John. So God granted her the granted her the grace to bilocate. She appeared at the banks of the Elbro River, Ebro River, I think it's called Ebro, and uh, modern day Zaragoza. And she appeared with the child Jesus in her arms. And she was standing on a pillar of jasper, we call it quartz, okay? And she asked St. James and his eight disciples to build a chapel on that site, okay? She made a promise. It will stand from that moment until the end of time in order that God may work miracles and wonders through my intercession for all those who place themselves under my patronage. So Our Lady gave to St. James, according to the story, the pillar, along with a small wooden statue of herself with the infant Jesus, which now stands on the pillar. There was a chapel built there, St. James, According to you know Mary's directions, um, he built a, a little chapel. Well, today, a, a beautiful basilica uh, still stands at the banks of the Ebra River. I visited that that basilica um, about five six years ago. I was on a pilgrimage to Fatima. We went to Fatima first, and then we went through Spain. Went to Avila, beautiful city. We went to Zaragoza. And then from there, we went up to, uh, crossed the Alps and went to uh, Lourdes, France. But the, the modern-day Basilica of Our Lady of the Pillar is just beautiful. And there you will find the uh, little pillar with the small wooden statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary holding the baby Jesus in her arm. It's usually uh, adorned with um, many different uh, colors of dresses, and uh, they they dress up the statue, okay, as is popular with um, uh, some other 
you know, the infant of Prague, for example, you put on different clothing on the infant of Prague for different seasons, for different feast days, and so also with the Blessed Virgin Mary. They adorn the statue. And I'll say something else while I'm at it in case I, I forget uh, later, but we were given a tour of the Basilica when we were there, and the tour guide pointed up to the ceiling and you could see two holes in the ceiling. And the tour guide explained to us, it was a woman, I can't recall her name, but she explained that during the Spanish Civil War, okay, when the, uh, uh, basically they were communists, uh, godless communists trying to overthrow the government, and they fired two bombs into the Basilica of Our Lady of the Pillar, wanting to destroy it. Well, those bombs never went off. They, just, they went through the, the ceiling of the Basilica and landed and did no damage. So I'm sure that was through the heavenly intercession of Our Lady. Anyway, uh, I would encourage people to go, if you're in Spain sometime, especially eastern Spain, make sure you get to um, the Basilica of uh, Nuestra Señora del Pilar, Our Lady of the Pillar. It's just a beautiful um, basilica and much celebrated in Spain. She's the national patroness of Spain. But back to back to the time of St. James. Okay, so um, Mary assured um, St. James when she appeared to him that the people of Hispania would become Christians through his efforts and that their faith would be as strong and durable as the pillar on which she stood. That's the significance of the pillar. Okay. And so James built a chapel and began to convert the pagans in ancient Spain. Okay. And James, St. James later returned to Jerusalem where he was beheaded by King Herod Agrippa I. And that was uh, one of the, the sons of, of, of Herod the Great. And his disciples took his body to Spain. And um, there's, there's a great church built in honor of St. James you know, out on the, the western part of Spain um, where his, his remains are. Now, the Spanish queen at that time converted after witnessing miracles performed by James's disciples and had James's body buried in, in a local field uh, in Galatia, northwest Spain. And eight centuries later, uh, a great cathedral was built, and that's the cathedral of Compostela, St. James of Compostela. Where many people make pilgrimage. Um, you can, you know, they walk um, the the way, as it's called, and um, and they they um, uh, they <clears throat> pay homage to this this great saint and evangelizer of Spain. Okay. Well. Um, Maybe some of in our listening audience have have made that that way uh, the Camino the El Camino they call it okay the way uh, of 
Santiago, the, 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 the Santiago, Santiago pilgrimage okay, to um, the Cathedral of St. James of Compostela. Now, the first Marian shrine was built, and um, the Church of Our Lady of the Pillar in Zaragoza is the first church dedicated to Mary in history. That's its importance, okay? And it remains standing to this day. And um, having survived wars, invasions, whatever, it's, it's a, just a beautiful basilica, um, which, which actually was built in the third century. The basilica was built. Um, it's the oldest basilica outside of Rome. And it was redesigned, expanded several times during history. And the current structure was completed in the 17th century. And it it's, has many domes, 11 brightly colored tiled domes. And it's the second biggest church in Spain. And the wooden statue uh, is a, a relatively simple image. It's 15 inches high. It stands on a jasper pillar, 5.9 feet tall. So it's not all that, that big. But the crown in her head is a masterpiece. It's, it, it was made in 44 days. This is the tradition by 33 workmen. Okay. It's a sun-like crown, and it's made of 2,836 diamonds cut triangularly. Okay. Well, I see our, our music's playing. We're going to take a little break right now. I'll be back to talk more about Our Lady of the Pillar and also about um, Christopher Columbus. Okay. There's a link here. God bless. We'll see you in a few minutes. Hi, I'm Doug Berry from Life on the Rock. The importance of Catholic Radio cannot be underestimated. This is a medium that can reach into the hearts and the minds and the vehicles of individuals at any given time or day. This is one of those ways that we can reach hearts and souls that are hurting and that need to know the grace, the strength, the healing power of Christ. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at WSFIRadio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois. 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. This is Father Campbell. I'm I'm back for the second segment of our Marian Hour this day, uh, this day which is traditionally 
um, Columbus Day, October 12th. Okay. Uh, in recent years or decades, um, this has been celebrated usually on a Monday because it's often a day off. But um, the traditional day when I was growing up as a child, um, about 50, 60 years ago, it was always October 12th was Columbus Day. Anyway, we're, we're talking today first, before we get to Columbus, about a great feast. And the feast is called Our Lady of the Pillar. And if you're just joining us, uh, the feast commemorates the, the appearance of Our Lady to St. James the Evangelist. He was evangelizing uh, what is today Spain. It was then uh, Roman Hispania. In 40 AD, she appears to him on a pillar, and um, because he was throw, thinking of throwing in the towel, basically, and and he, his efforts were not bearing fruit to evangelize, she encouraged him to do so, and appeared on a pillar. She gave him the pillar, gave him a statue of herself. A chapel was built. Uh, couple centuries later, a basilica was built. It was remodeled a number of times. It stands today, beautiful basilica, the second largest church in Spain. And the Spanish really uh, honor Our Lady. This is their national patroness, Our Lady of the Pillar, Nuestra Señora del Pilar. Okay. Before we took our break, I was describing the statue 15 inches high on a jasper pillar, this pillar, uh, uh, like a quartz pillar, 5.9 feet tall. And this crown on her head, cut with many diamonds, with pearls, with uh, emeralds, rubies, sapphires. And uh, the crown of the baby Jesus is identical in shape, although it's smaller in size, as you would think. Okay, And um, these, uh, Our Lady of the Pillar is not only the the national patroness of Spain, but also of all Hispanic peoples. The reason is because it was on October 12th, 1492, the feast of Our Lady of the Pillar, that Columbus arrived on the American land um, and the first mass of on the Americas, or in the Americas, okay, was celebrated. And uh, <clears throat> so uh, this, is, this is a beautiful, you could say, tradition, uh, a link between, um, you know, Columbus, which we celebrate today, and Our Lady of the Pillar. And I'll mention a couple of just historical facts in regard to... Um, our Lady, under this title, okay. 1797 in France was not a good time. Okay, uh, the French Revolution was going on, and uh, there was a reign of terror uh, where Catholics were being put to death. The guillotine was chopping heads off, um, and um, I'll mention here the the reign of terror actually ended. In, in France with um, on July seventeenth, uh, and I believe it was seventeen ninety four, but I could be mistaken on my year. Um, Sixteen Carmelite nuns were guillotined, and the horror of that event, uh, I think, 
um, finally brought an end to the the bloody um, execution of, of Catholics. Okay, it was a crime to be a Catholic. Anyway, in Spain in 1797, the persecution of the church was still going on. Uh, and William Joseph Chaminade, who is a blessed now, okay, he was a priest, he was in exile in Spain, and he took refuge at the city of Saragossa. He prayed before the statue of Our Lady of the Pillar, and he received an inspiration there to found a congregation under the patronage of Our Lady. And that uh, congregation he founded is called the Society of Mary, or the Marianists. Well, fast forward a couple of hundred years to the Spanish Civil War. You know, I mentioned earlier that you know, the communists uh, were trying to wipe out the Catholic faith in Spain during the Spanish Civil War, dropped two bombs uh, from an airplane. Uh, the bombs tore through the roof of, of the uh, basilica and uh, hit the floor, did not explode. Okay. And... As I said earlier, one can see the, the holes in the walls. I was there um, about five, six years ago with, with a tour, and the holes are still present. They've left them as a testimony to what had happened. And actually, the bombs are on display in one of the basilica's walls that didn't go off. Um, another little fact, uh, in the 19th century, um, the German Augustinian, she was a visionary, uh, she had the stigmata, Blessed Anne Catherick Emmerich came. She comments on Mary, Our Lady of the Pillar's appearance to St. James in rich detail in chapter 14 of her work called The Life of Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I mentioned um, the mystical city of God, Venerable Mary of Agreda, who lived in the uh, 1600s, she wrote that the Blessed Virgin was transported to Spain from Jerusalem, carried in a cloud by angels. It was these angels who also crafted the pillar of marble and created the statue of Mary, their queen, holding their divine son, her divine son. Okay. Well, I, I mentioned also that this is this is a, a a national feast day in Spain. Back in 2005, uh, in a celebration which marked the, the close of a, a jubilee year in Spain, the first centennial of the canonical coronation of the statue of Our Lady of the Pillar in Zaragoza in, at the Basilica, the bishops of Spain. On May 22, 2005, we consecrated their country to the Immaculate Heart of Mary in the presence of 70,000 faithful, faithful Catholics who were standing um, inside and outside the Basilica of Our Lady of the Pillar. And an act of consecration was broadcast on Spanish television. And on the, the Spanish television, uh, Catholic television network. And it was, this was followed by the promulgation of a, a message by um, the bishops in Spain, um, 
which had been made on November 25, 2004, in honor of the 150th anniversary of the definition of the dogma of the Immaculate Conception. So, um, well, I'll just uh, end here talking about Our Lady of the Pillar, uh, encouraging all my listening audience, if you ever get to Spain, uh, try to carve out uh, some time to go to Zaragoza and see this beautiful basilica and the statue of Our Lady of the Pillar, which commemorates the, the first Marian apparition okay, and the first church dedicated to Our Lady. Okay. So, um, now I'm going to turn to another individual I already mentioned, and that is Christopher Columbus, because today, October 12th, is the traditional date of Columbus Day, because it was on this day, October 12th, 1492, that Columbus had sailed the blue, as the old rhyme used to go, or a song, and landed in the New World, okay? And uh, Columbus has gotten a lot of bad press, unfairly, actually, in, in recent years, okay? Um, no, no doubt there were, you know, abuses by uh, some of the Spanish who came, you know, enslaving some of the people, but uh, it's, it's really a perversion of history to uh, accuse Columbus of, of evil or evil intentions, and I'll explain that. And I'm going to uh, defer here to the greatest catechist, I call him, of the 20th century. His name is Father John Hardin, SJ, Society of Jesus, a Jesuit. Um, Father Hardin wrote uh, a marvelous catechism that was used um, at least throughout the English-speaking world uh, before the official catechism was done. And he was, he was just a, a great holy man. His cause for canonization began a number of years ago. In fact, the priest that's with me, Father Robert McDermott, he was working on the cause for canonization of Father Hardin down in St. Louis before he came to join me. It's been held up for a while. We're not sure why. But Father Hardin wrote a little book um, in defense of Columbus. Um, using accurate historical research, not innuendo, as is often the case with Columbus, okay? Wanting to tear down statues of Columbus and all this nonsense. The title of his little work is called Christopher Columbus, colon, The Catholic Discovery of America. And it is published by Eternal Life. It's a group out of Bardstown, Kentucky. If anyone has a, a pen there, if you are listening, I'd like to write down um, the the uh, website. It's uh, www.lifeeternal.org. Okay. You can order it from, from there. I'll even give you a phone number. I, I think this is still um, a working number. It's 800-842-2871. So, Father Hardin wrote this little work in defense of Christopher Columbus, and, um, and well, 
just to talk about Columbus and the discovery of what, what Father Hardin calls the Catholic discovery of America. Now, why does he say that? Well, um, well, because um, going back in Spain's history, okay, before Columbus discovered America, Spain had um, really suffered a martyrdom um, under Islam. Okay. Uh, the Mohammedans, they, they conquered much of Spain uh, for, and for 700 years, they pretty much ruled Spain. The Spanish, piece by piece, began taking the land back. Okay. And uh, it was uh, actually due in part to the apostolic zeal of uh, Queen Isabella I, the Catholic Queen of Spain, as she is called, uh, that um, the, the Spanish Catholics finally drove out uh, the, the Moors, as they were called, in the year 1491. And Father Hardin mentions in his book, Christopher Columbus, the Catholic Discovery of America, that, um, and I quote him here on page six, it was largely due, uh, this uh, conquering of the Muslims, uh, to Isabella's zeal for the preservation of the Catholic faith that she, like Joan of Arc, led on horseback the Spanish troops to recover her country from seven centuries of control by the Moors of Spain. So uh, that's why she's called the Catholic Queen. And, well, by the Catholic discovery of America, Father Hardin says we also mean uh, it, it was in part due to the Catholic genius, as he calls it, of Christopher Columbus. And the the discovery uh, of of the New World, okay, the Americas, was inspired by also the Catholic vision of especially Franciscans in Spain. Okay. They assisted Columbus, they assisted Hernan Cortez uh, back in the early 1500s to evangelize Spain, uh, part, uh, evangelize New Spain, as it was called. For example, as soon as uh, Cortez, with the help of the the native um, Americans in what is modern day Mexico, uh, as soon as they defeated the the Aztecs, who were using their uh, neighboring tribes as victims for their human sacrifices in what I think is the most demonic religion in the history of the world, okay, um, they hundreds of thousands of people were dying in some years being sacrificed. Okay, Cortez, he sent someone back to Spain, said, I need missionaries. And the, the first 12 missionaries from Spain arrived at Veracruz, um, the town of the True Cross. They walked barefoot from Veracruz on the coast all the way to um, what is modern-day Mexico City. Cortez knelt down, kissed their feet. They began to evangelize. They didn't have too much success. They arrived in 15... Uh, 19, I think it was, um, until Our Lady appeared to Juan Diego, 
convert from uh, the, the Nahuatl tribe, a, a native tribe, and Our Lady of Guadalupe helped to evangelize uh, and convert uh, millions, millions of people. Uh, Father Hardin points out that the millions of converts that resulted, and this was all in the wake of, of you know, Columbus discovering the New World, okay, um, they sort of made up for the loss of millions to the Catholic faith in Europe, where you had, you know, parts of Germany, um, you had uh, England, uh, Sweden, uh, Denmark, many, many countries that had been Catholic lost their Catholic faith after the Protestant revolt. So um, this was all in God's plan, you could say, to make up for the losses we gained much in the Catholic New World through the evangelization efforts of uh, many heroic uh, missionaries, beginning with the Franciscans. Okay, the Jesuits came, others came, other religious orders after that. So Father Hardin explains that the, the Catholic discovery of America means that um, the, pla- the seed was planted of the Catholic faith through missionaries okay? and covered with blood of martyrs. Well, I hear the music for a break. I'm going to take a break before coming back and speaking more about Christopher Columbus on this Columbus Day, the traditional date, October 12th. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. Hi, my name is Irene Sherapata. My husband Alex and I are volunteers for WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is our family's source of truthful and trustworthy information regarding the Catholic faith, the church, our religion, and state of the world in these trying times. My husband Alex and I are greatly rewarded for our volunteer work at WSFI by working with such lovable and like-minded people and by meeting and hearing firsthand some of the most respected, wise, and interesting guest speakers. Its programmings on healing the whole person has helped so many and is truly inspired by God. This radio station is really a school of Catholic thought and source of wisdom. We have learned so much, and our faith and love for God has increased so much that we hope to share it with everyone we meet. We hope and pray that WSFI 88.5 FM would soon reach the entire Chicagoland population. You too can help WSFI bring millions of souls to God. 
See how you can support their effort by calling WSFI Catholic Radio at 224-206-8455 or online at WSFICatholicRadio.org for your donation. Thank you very much, and uh, God bless you. Hello, this is Father Campbell. I'm back for the third segment of the Marian Hour on this traditional date of Columbus Day, October 12th, because it was on this date in 1492, after Columbus sailed the blue, that he discovered uh, the Americas and the Catholic evangelization of the Americas began. And uh, I was before the break, speaking of Father Hardin, an excellent book he wrote uh, called The Christopher Columbus, The Catholic Discovery of America, which is available through Eternal Life. And you could uh, actually order the book by uh, getting online www.lifeeternal.org. It's an excellent work, a defense of, of the, the uh, high and, and, and good and religious motives of Columbus for, for coming to the United States, or the, pardon me, the, the Americas, the New World. And uh, I was speaking before the break of how uh, Father Hardin refers to the discovery of America as the Catholic discovery of America, and it's because the seed of faith began to spread after this, um, especially the, the Franciscans, the, the first big religious order that came to, to spread the faith, and the, the Roman pontiffs, the, the popes, saw the discovery of the Americas as the dawn of a new era in Catholic evangelization. And actually, the popes wrote against any enslaving of the people or treating them uh, below their human dignity from the very beginning. Okay? Um, the popes were very adamant about this. There, there were abuses, yes, but you know, Columbus had no intention of, of enslaving people, of, of um, um, making the population of this new land uh, just his servants. He wanted to evangelize them. And uh, this is uh, something that's overlooked in our in our modern history, which totally um, glosses over this fact. Um, and this should inspire us to re-evangelize our land. You know, the Americas need re-evangelizing. Okay. Well, back to Columbus. We'll talk about him. Okay, Columbus. You know, he was he was not a Spaniard. You know, he was from. Italy, actually, and um, he had made uh, a few unsuccessful unsuccessful attempts in the year 1492 to persuade um, the the royalty in in Spain to you know fund back his search for the Indies by crossing over the Atlantic. He wanted to get to 
uh, what he thought was India, the Far East, by going the Atlantic way. And um, he was unsuccessful in in his first attempts. Um, and then it was Queen Isabella who actually intervened. Her husband, King Ferdinand, okay, did not think that Columbus had good judgment, you know, in hoping to reach the Far East by going west. But Isabella did. And <clears throat> she prayed and fasted that uh, she might be able to persuade her husband to agree with her in backing Christopher Columbus, which finally he did. Okay. So Columbus, um, he sets out, and <clears throat> we have um, actually an, a beautiful attestation to Columbus's faith and his motives in a log that he kept, a daily log, and this was from uh, August 3rd, okay, 1492, when he left Spain, to October 12th, 1492, when he put, set foot in the New World. And if you, if you read the log, you're, you're just um, really moved by his deep Catholic faith. This is how his log begins. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this, this opening prayer, okay, its spirit really pervades the, the whole log, this journal that he kept. And he was constantly in the log invoking the name of Jesus Christ or God or divine providence, um, Our Lady, okay, um, one of one of the ships he sailed on was named after Our Lady, uh, Santa Maria, you know, Holy Holy Mary, and he, he constantly thanks our Lord. Um, he expresses his confidence in the power of God to bring about um, the realization uh, of of what you know he was he was accused of just following a mirage for. for you know, by so many people for so long. And I'll give you some examples from his log. Father Hardin has these in his book. Um, I'll say it again, the title, Christopher Columbus, The Catholic Discovery of America. And here are some examples, okay? Um, um, August 19th, 1492, Sunday. My enterprise is in God's hands. August 24th, Friday. By divine providence, the wind shifted and we made some progress. The next day, Saturday, August 25th, God must have planned it this way. Skip to September 17th, Monday. He says, I trust Almighty God in whose hands are all victories that he will soon deliver us to land because they were getting worried, not seeing land. Okay, you're, you, you really didn't know what was ahead of you, okay? Um, a week later, September 25th, on Tuesday, he says, at sunset, Martin, one of the crew, mounted the stern of the Pinta. And that was one of the ships, okay? And with great joy, called to me that he saw land. When I heard this, 
stated so positively, I fell to my knees to give thanks to our Lord. And Martin said, Gloria in excelsis Deo with his people. Um, my people did the same thing. Okay. These were, you know, from they're obviously from, from different countries, okay, who were on board the ship. Glory to God in the highest, in other words. Okay. Then we see uh, October 7th. He says in his journal, God did offer us uh, a small token of comfort. Many large flocks of birds flew over. They were land birds. So he knows he's getting close to land. October 12th, Thursday, the day before he sets foot, okay, as is our custom, vespers were said in the late afternoon. Now, for those of you who don't know what Vespers is, that is evening prayer, uh, part of the divine office. We have um, morning prayer, evening prayer. The evening prayer is, is Vespers. So he says, as is our custom. In other words, every day they prayed the divine office. Okay? And uh, this is the official prayer of the church. So we said Vespers in late afternoon. This is Thursday, October 11th. And a special thanksgiving was offered to God for giving us renewed hope through the many signs of land he has provided. And then, here, October 12th, okay, the big day that they set foot on land. This is his journal. At dawn, we saw naked people, and I went ashore in the ship's boat, I unfurled the royal banner, and the captains brought the flags which displayed the large green cross with the letters F for Ferdinand and um, Y for Isabella at the left and right side of the cross. To this land, I gave the name San Salvador. For those who don't speak Spanish, that means Holy Savior in honor of our blessed Lord. Okay. And Father Harden comments, he says, throughout the log, Columbus makes it clear why he and his men were sailing across the Atlantic. It was to spread, spread the good news of salvation and to convert the natives to Christianity. Okay. In his opening introduction of the log, he addresses the king and queen of Spain. He says this, Your Highness decided to send me, Your Highnesses, I should say, decided to send me, Christopher Columbus, to the regions of India to see the princes there and the peoples of the land and to learn of their disposition and of everything and the measures which could be taken for their conversion to our holy Catholic faith. Okay, there you have it. And then he goes on, and, and then in a two-sentence statement, beautifully he tells why we not only may, but must, as Father Hardin says, call Columbus, is coming to the Western world, the Catholic discovery of America. Okay. And um, he says, I, I informed your highness, um, had had sent to Rome many times to uh, to beg for men learned in our holy faith, 
so that his people might be instructed therein that the Holy Father, the Pope, had never furnished them. Therefore, many peoples believing in idolatries and receiving among them sects of perdition were lost because no, we, we didn't have missionaries. Your Highnesses, as Catholic Christians and princes devoted to the holy Christian faith and to the spread of this faith, and as enemies of the Muslim sect and all idolatries and heresies, ordered that I should go east, but not by land, as is customary, I was to go by way of the west. Whence until today we do not know with certainty that anyone has ever gone there. He sent me, Jesus Christ, that I might bring the true faith to the Indians. And this is why they were called Indians. Okay? That starts with Columbus. He thought he was in India. And then writing, um, here's another example, on October 12, 1492. Okay? This is another example of his, his, um, his log. The people here are friendly and well-dispositioned, who bear no arms except for small spears. They have no iron to make, you know, iron weapons. I want the natives to develop a friendly attitude toward us because I know they are a people who can be made free and converted to our holy Catholic faith more by love than by force. I warned my men to take nothing from the people without giving something in exchange. And just in the last couple of minutes, I'm going to say something else. Father Hardin, page 15 of his book, Christopher Columbus, The Catholic Discovery of America. Okay? He talks about one of the least known facts about Christopher Columbus. He wrote a book of prophecies. Now, he wasn't making prophecies of the future, but what he did in this book was to relate how what he had done had tied in with prophetic passages from the sacred scriptures, which Columbus related to his great enterprise in the Indies, as he called it. Okay, Here he's writing in 1502, after his third voyage to the New World. Okay, He provides us with a clear picture, says Father Hardin, of how Columbus saw himself. Okay. And we get an idea of the spirit of this book uh, from the letter he wrote to King Ferdinand and Isabella, okay? He says um, this, um, at this time I have seen and put in study to look at all the scriptures which our Lord opened to my understanding. I could sense our Lord's hand upon me so that it became clear to me that it was feasible to navigate from here to the Indies, and he gave me the will to execute the idea. I have already said that for the execution of the enterprise of the Indies, neither reason nor mathematics nor world maps were profitable to me. Rather, the prophecy of Isaiah was completely fulfilled. Okay. And um, uh, the prophecy of Isaiah um, uh, you know, to 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 go out, uh, evangelize the, the the Messiah would come. Okay, uh, well, um, and Father Hard notes here. Most histori historians claim that it was uh, the the dominant motive for for Columbus to go west to get the wealth of the East. Well, the Book of Prophecies shows the opposite of this. Okay. 
commercial interests were okay. Okay, they 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 were prominent, okay, in the minds of, of others, but Columbus had a deeper spiritual interest at his heart, okay? His aim was to extend the Catholic faith. And he told his Catholic sovereigns, King Ferdinand, Queen Isabella, quote, if there is faith, you are bound to have victory from the enterprise. Okay? And... Um, Anyway, I will I will end there. I see we're we're getting to the the uh, close of our our Marian hour here, but uh, I would really encourage people, um, especially if you're Knights of Columbus out there. I've I've talked about this book to the Knights of Columbus. I've quoted from it in talks I've given to pick up Father John Harden's book, Christopher Columbus: The Catholic Discovery of America, available from the Eternal Life Organization, www.lifeeternal.org. One more thing I wanted to, to mention is that um, for all of our listening audience out there, okay, we have uh, coming up on um, in, um, in November, Friday, November 18th, okay, it's our major fundraiser for the year for um, WSFI Radio. We need a lot of money to fund this organization and and keep Catholic programming on the air. Uh, we're featuring uh, an award being given to Archbishop um, Cordelione, uh, Salvatore Cordelione. Uh, he's the Archbishop of San Francisco. Uh, his heroic um, uh, standing up and and wishing to correct in a, in a very pastoral way, uh, Nancy Pelosi, who refused to heed his command. He had to say, well, I'm, I'm not going to offer you Holy Communion because you're supporting abortion. Rewarding him the Fulton Sheen Award. That's Friday evening, November 18th. You can get online at WSFI and um, you can sponsor a table, uh, a private uh, uh, meeting with, with, uh, Rocky will be present also, so we, we hope a lot of people turn out for our fundraising efforts, and I'll, I'll end by um, saying the earliest Marian prayer, we fly to thy patronage, O Holy Mother of God, despise not our prayers and our necessities, but ever deliver us from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. May Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you very much for listening in. Chicago's newest Catholic voice, WSFI Catholic Radio, broadcasting on 750 WNDZ, Portage, Chicago, and WSFI, Antioch.